Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. So welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, I was actually listening to the show that comes on directly before us. Uh, as a matter of fact, I should make sure that that maybe that's why things are operating slowly is that uh, I still have some of those pages open. But anyway, uh, trying to understand the Old Testament and the New Testament. And of course, we did a show this morning in Habakkuk. At least we started our series in Habakkuk. It'll be at least four shows, four two-hour shows, talking about Habakkuk alone because of the fact that the way I go about setting these shows up, uh, except for the afternoon show, this show, the Keys of the Kingdom show, I, I do put a lot of time into it, but I, I, I wait till the show actually begins before I actually pick a topic. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, there's so many things to talk about because there's so much misunderstanding out there of what the text of the Bible is actually telling us. You know, I, I was talking to one of our ministers traveling through Texas. He's actually in Houston right now, uh, this morning after the morning show. And, uh, oh, see lots of people signing on. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, uh, somebody was saying, oh, we have to do away with the Old Testament so that uh, we can understand the New Testament. And I thought, like, where do you guys get this stuff? <laughs> because, Christ is quoting the Old Testament, and uh, that was one of the things in going through Habakkuk. The, one of the major themes uh, of Habakkuk, uh, pretty well accepted by uh, a lot of the different uh, commentaries, is that uh, the just shall live by faith. And we find it right in Habakkuk uh, chapter 2. And that's quoted, at least directly quoted, and, and actually states that it quotes, is being quoted in in Romans and Galatians and Hebrews. And uh, the just shall live by faith. But what does that mean, live by faith? And a lot of people say, well, it's live because we believe in Yeshua or Yahashua or Jesus or Yahweh or Yadavah. But uh, how do you know you believe in Yahashua? Uh, how do you know you believe in Jesus? I mean, there's so many different versions of him out there that there's a lot of people tell me uh, that they believe, but they're doing something absolutely opposite of what other people are doing. So where does all this confusion come from? Well, that was another thing that someone who was talking to me about this morning is that a lot of times I say I, and they were kind of saying that maybe I should say we, and, and so that people think of the church as a larger group. And, of course, the church is an extremely large group. But I don't have the roll call because that's not the way the church works. We don't. I don't keep the roll call of the church. I keep the roll call of who I'm supposed to look out for and and connect to. But I don't know everybody. And it's a need-to-know basis. God knows everybody. And it, because it's his church. It's not my church. Uh, you can't even really become a member as a congregant of the church. That idea of the word member, and see that we have to define the term member of the church. Uh, 
because, I mean, we are, the way that word can be used sometimes, it, Paul talks about us being as members of a body. But that can be misused. Uh, because really, the, you know, when they talk about me using I so much, because uh, although I don't think I do all that much, but they hear it. But I've actually been, uh, received complaints from people who say that when I say we. And in conversation, you know, I say we. And of course, who's the we I'm talking about? Well, how many times do you hear people talking about or reading the Bible? And it says in there, Paul says it, and, and, and James says it, and, and they refer to themselves as we. Well, who's we? Everybody thinks that they're a part of the we and us's that we see in the biblical context. And I'm getting messages here from Australia. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, that, uh, who is that we? The we of the early Christian church. I mean, are we like the early Christian church? Are we in we with them? Are we doing what they did? I mean, there's 40,000 denominations out there. Where's all this confusion coming from? It's because you're not the we you need to be. And that's one of the things that I did talk about this morning. Is that ultimately, you're not going to find out about the kingdom by listening to me. You know, I'll talk about the kingdom, and your intellectual dendritic tree in your mind can hear those words and and calculate their meaning and write them down and take notes and memorize them. And but that's you and me communicating. That's our conversation, maybe. If you if we do get in a conversation, it's where it's not just one way, like on the radio. But uh, the we you need is you and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you and God need to be one with each other. That is the ultimate teacher. Mostly what I'm telling you is you haven't got it figured out yet. Because if you had it figured out yet, you wouldn't need to be listening to me. Although that will give a lot of people license to stop listening. But... The reality is the world wouldn't be the world that we see today if all the people who said that they are Christians were actually doing what Christ said. And in truth, all the people that say they are Jews were doing what Moses said. The world would not be the world that it is today. But the world that we saw at the time of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, the Romans... If all the people that said that they believed in Moses were actually doing what Moses said to do, they wouldn't have done what they did at the time of Jesus. They wouldn't have been doing that. Because the Pharisees said they had Moses and they didn't know what they were talking about. Because confusion had come upon them. And that confusion referenced lots of different ways. They sat in darkness. Why did they sit in darkness? Because they could not see the truth. Because the Rosh Hashanah wasn't in them. Why wasn't it in them? Because vanity. Because of pride. Because there was a little bit too much I in their conversation. Uh, I don't want to pick on people and their pronouns. I mean, like, am I getting in trouble because I don't use the right pronouns now? <laughs> so, no, that's that's not what uh, 
the problem is. The problem is, is that we really are not listening to the Holy Spirit. And of course, and we will continue this in, in our series on Habakkuk, because every page that we have at preparingyou.com on Habakkuk, it has a little meme up there that talks about being still and knowing. And that being still is stilling the dendritic tree of your own mind, which is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, where you're trying to decide what is good and evil, what is right and wrong, with your own mind. Instead of surrendering to the Holy Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, if you surrender to the Holy Spirit, does that make the Holy Spirit have to enter into you? No, because the Holy Spirit listeth where it wills. What we are looking at when we're reading the Bible and looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament is we're trying to find out with the barometer and the uh, thermometer uh, of that text if we are even close to what God wants us to be. And mostly what I'm showing you is you're not as close as you thought you were. And I'm only doing that so that you realize you have need of repentance and you go into your own personal prayer closet and you look at your own personal actions and your own personal decisions, your own personal belief in the ideas floating around in your head, which is not faith. That Believing in what you think is true is not faith. Faith is believing in what is actually true. The the truth, the the way, the light. It's seeing the and being willing to see the light. Adam and Eve left the garden because they did not want to see what you would see in the light of the cherub there in the garden. When you come into the garden, into the presence of the tree of life, there's a light there. That light shines on all the wicked and evil that is in the world around you and they flee like cockroaches. But we know right away from the story of Adam and Eve that they hid themselves. They didn't want to see. They can't go back into the garden as long as they don't want to see themselves as they really are. And that's where all the confusion comes from. Because you you remain in darkness if you don't want to see the truth about yourself. And one of the truths about yourself is a lot of the ideas that you have accepted as true or not true. So anyway, back to why and how I study like we finished Nahum. I don't have all the recordings up because we have a deal with the original station that we do these on that, that doesn't go up for nine days. And so hopefully in nine days I'll get the recordings up there. Nine days from when we finished Nahum. But now we're into Habakkuk. And so there'll be a nine-day delay on all those shows because those are all done on the morning show. This show I don't have to delay. This show I can put up right away. So, and and we have recordings up on a lot of the other minor prophets that we've already done. And we have recordings up on all kinds of things that we have already done. And one of the things that I wanted to do is to... And I already thought I had a page already done on this topic, but uh, brutish pastors. It mentions brutish pastors in the Bible. I can't even remember exactly where, but I'm actually on a page right now 
where I started to deal with this. And that's the thing is I get so many interruptions because I have to be in so many places uh, at once uh, that uh, I don't, I don't, but I go back. And that's one of the beautiful things about the Internet is you can go back and add to those things that you've already started. And we've started lots of things and we've gone back and added and we completed them and then we go back and we discover something else and we add that to them and it just keeps building and now we have this huge website at preparingyou.com. We have a huge website at hisholychurch.org and uh, where we have books and, and books and hundreds of articles and what must be almost thousands of audios now that are all there for free. Trying to show you what the world wants to keep a secret from you. Everything from from the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, to the meaning of Hebrew words, to COVID, to what have you. If it's true and, and God puts it on my heart, I, I put it up on the website so that you can see it. And uh, find out what that's all about. So, anyway, we have uh, a section... On this brutish pastors, and it goes through a lot of the different uh, quotes on that. And I, I can see I'm probably going to have to go through that and add to that even some more, because uh, I have the Old Testament brutish pastors, and uh, you know, and then also uh, other places where it talks about it. But mostly, what is there? is, uh, oh, and I have some old audios on the subject of the British pastors. But uh, what I'm really going to talk to you about is pastors, and I will add this British pastors section to the pastor page eventually. But we're going to go to the pastor page and see what that says. And uh, what's a pastor? Because uh, there was a discussion actually this week on uh, on uh, Facebook I'm on a group that has thousands of people on it, and uh, they were asking about what are pastors. And, and some of them were making a big deal out of the fact that the word is supposed to be shepherds. Well, yeah, but you can use the word pastor. There's a lot of words that are in the Hebrew and in the Greek that are translated in more than one way. And yes, that does add to the confusion a lot of times. But again, all that confusion goes away when the Holy Spirit enters into you and starts showing you. And you are willing to see those th- those golden nuggets of truth that are all about you all the time. That was one of the things I also said this morning is... God is speaking to all of you all the time. You're just not all listening to God at the same time. As a matter of fact, a lot of you are listening to other gods. Uh, your fourth grade school teacher, <laughs> you know, your college professors, uh, your pastor or your rabbi, and they're all telling you what is true. But how many of you are actually listening to the Holy Spirit? And the fact is, all of you at one time or another have heard from the Holy Spirit. But that needs to increase throughout your life. And what happens a lot of times is because trauma, it decreases. And, And things become painful and we don't want to see certain things about ourselves, mostly. I mean, it's always easy to look at other people's problems. But to see our problems or our relationship with other people, which is where a lot of our problems begin, we don't want to see that. And we have to be willing to see that. And as we see that, usually interacting with new people in our lives, then 
as we see that truth and see the truth that God is trying to share with us all the time, then we become immersed more and more into the Holy Spirit and I becomes we, <laughs> if you get my point. So anyway, on our page on pastors, it starts out the word pastor appears in both the Old and the New Testament, at least as the translations as we see them. But it does not mean today what it meant thousands of years ago. A pastor today, most of the time, the people calling themselves pastors are not doing what they were doing in the early church, nor are they doing what they were doing in early Israel. Some some of them are doing what they were doing when Israel fell into corruption, which is why Habakkuk is in Nahum and Amos and Micah are all pertinent today because they're all talking about when Israel fell into corruption and had the 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 well-favored harlot. You all have the well-favored harlot. And you don't realize that, but the well-favored harlot has pastors. You know, they're, they're the pimps. <laughs> Make sure you pay. And uh, those are the British pastors. So I kind of gave it away there, but now, well, what the... In tarnations, is this guy talking about? If we want to use this term, pastor, in the way that the scriptures intended we have to look back into the context of which its original use appears. The word pastor in the New Testament is more commonly translated shepherd. And, uh, of course, in the Old Testament, the word we see as pastor uh, which is actually raw, which is a very interesting thing. But this, let's take a look at the New Testament word, uh, poimen. And uh, it has a kind of an uncertain affinity, uh, they say, in the definition. It's there on the text. But, you know, it means a herdsman, especially a shepherd. And, of course, I actually am a shepherd. <laughs> we were just... We were just discussing, uh, we've had sheep on a nearby pasture for the last several weeks and I wanted to have them off by now, but we had changes in the weather and dust storms and we've had a terrible drought and I've got so, like I say, I've got so many other things going. We kept them on these close in pastures a little bit longer than we really should have and uh, they're going to be lambing and so we need to worm them. And so we were looking at what we should do to worm them. Now you can do this a lot of, there's some natural ways that we know they're not as effective as purchasing ivermectin. We've all heard of iver, ivermectin in the news. Ivermectin is actually a natural ingredient that you can find actually, uh, in, in fields that are well mowed because where the mice have been. Because ivermectin is a derivative of the from the intestines of mice, and it actually can act. It was originally ivermecta, and it can act as a wormer. So, but you can now actually they they you can buy ivermectin, and you put it in a drench, and we give a little bit of it to the ewes, and it helps worm them. Uh, there's other things, like I say, you can run them in certain areas. And if I had all kinds of time, I would do that where there are certain types of brush. This year, the brush has taken a beating because of the severe, severe drought, worse than I've ever seen. Probably the worst in 50, maybe 70, maybe 100 years. 
for out here. We actually had rain the other day, but it wasn't very much. didn't get down very deep. I, I dug down to find out how deep it went, and it did not go very deep. Because I'm a herdsman. I'm a cultivator of the ground, and I... And I I was doing all that. That's what I thought I was called to do when I was seven years old. And I ended up doing it and living out here in the desert. And then I realized that God wanted me to do those things so that I would learn how to do and be the shepherd of Christ. And, of course, that's what this word is supposed to be representing. He doesn't want us all to become sheep herders. He wants us all to become shepherds of righteousness so that the just will live by faith instead of what you've been living by for the last 70 years in America and Australia and everywhere else. And many of the people who think that they are following the Rosh Hashanah and following the Torah and following Messiah are actually still doing what the Pharisees did wrong. Because they went back to the Old Testament, but they did not see it clearly. And again, look, when I do the studies, I go back and I, like Habakkuk, I read Habakkuk. I go and read the, uh, uh, all the commentaries. I go and read, uh, all the, uh, the Hebrew, the original Hebrew that we have. And we have early texts of Habakkuk because it was actually found even in the Dead Sea Scrolls. But, then I actually read it not only as words, but as letters, because it's written as letters. And it's very important with many of these minor prophets, especially the poetic ones, because they add so many letters to the words. And they rearrange them. And Habakkuk is no different. So a herdsman or a shepherd, what what does that even mean to the average guy today? They don't even know what a herdsman and a shepherd does and how he handles his sheep and what's the relationship between a herdsman of cattle and a herdsman of sheep because they're quite a bit different. And David was a herdsman of sheep. But a lot of the Israelites were also herdsmen of cattle. And there's lessons to be learned in both. But most people don't understand these. But this word that we see as pastor or shepherd, it's a metaphor. And according to the definition that we find in a, a regular concordance, it's a presiding officer, manager, director of any assemblies. Uh, so of Christ, the head of the church, uh, the New Testament uses the term bishop, overseer, pastor. Uh, and they're also talking about elder, uh, or presbyter, etc., interchangeably. But the reality is they are not necessarily interchangeable. Elder is used in the Bible an awful lot of times, but an elder is exactly what the word supposedly is saying. It's the elder. Elder of a family, elder of a group, usually an elder of a family. There is no office in the church called elder. I know a lot of people don't want to see that, but I mean, if you go back and read every single place that it's used, there is no office called elder he appoints elders he doesn't appoint men to the office of elder he appoints men who are elders that's the heads of households if you look into description of ministers and bishops it's heads of households and it's the oldest head of the household because he's raised his children you can see how well he did did he stick with his wife did he stick with his family did he do a good job that's the guy you want to hire you want to hire this guy who is floating around like a a bead of flowers that you don't want to hire that guy whose family is all in rebellion. He doesn't, that's not the guy you want to hire. And I say you hire, but doesn't he work for Christ? Well, yeah, he does. He's a stone of the altar. 
stones of the altar in the Old Testament were all living stones. They weren't, they weren't rocks. They were stones of the altar and they fit together without you regulating them. And when you gave them something, you gave it up entirely. It was a free will offering burnt up to you, but given to him. And we explain all this in the, in the article on sophistry. Look that up at preparing you sophistry. The sacrifice of sophistry. They're telling you how a free government operates without bringing in the cause and effect of as you judge, so shall ye be judged. Now this other word, raw, uh, which is resh, aom, hey. Resh is usually has to do with the authority, some kind of authority. The pastor has some kind of authority. The herdsman has some kind of authority. But he he does not rule his sheep with a stick of iron, you know, where he forces them to do this or forces them to do that. If you try to force sheep to do anything, they will do the opposite. That is the nature of sheep. Now, still, still to this day, when we have people here helping us sort sheep and we're trying to get them to go through a chute or something like that, they still don't quite get it. Even some of my own kids still have trouble. They, they, they're impatient, wants them to grab the sheep and force them down the chute. We had an old guy, I mean a very, very old guy picking up the sheep this year. Uh, the lambs that we sold. And we've used him many times and he's a very trustworthy guy and I've talked about him. But, uh, he knew how to get those sheep to go up without wrestling. And you do, you don't force them. That's not the authority that the shepherd has. The authority that the shepherd has is how he rightly divides the pastures amongst the sheep, you know. Rightly divide the bread amongst the sheep. It's his bread to divide because it's been freely given. See, it's just the opposite of what you see in the modern churches. The modern church, the pastor working for the, the elders of the congregation. And the elders aren't even all the elders of the congregation. They're just guys on the board because they think they're elders. And, but that isn't it. See, cause you get, you get one thing wrong, and then another thing you get wrong, and another thing you get wrong, and before you know it, you have confusion. And so I'm not gonna be able to tell you all the things that people have wrong, but we're gonna go through some of them, but just this idea of these, both these pastors are, you know, important parts of understanding. They both tend not only to the sheep, but to the pastors themselves. The, you know, the grass. If you overgraze it, you'll ruin your pasture. If you undergraze it, you'll ruin your pasture. If you overgraze in one spot, the sheep will become wormy. They will begin to pick up parasites. Well, now we have done that because I have neglected my sheep in the field to take care of my sheep in the world. <laughs> They're not my sheep, but my master's sheep. And so, I know how to give them ivermectin. <laughs> we actually had a meeting in Texas and one of our uh, congregants, uh, their wife can actually, I guess, prescribe medication. We could actually get ivermectin from her. <laughs> you know, we could, we could get it from other people. Now, I've already had COVID. But uh, there are could there could be a use for ivermectin for certain people who are vulnerable to things, you know, out there, the, the parasites of the universe. 
But the most important thing is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can also get rid of parasites too. Because the Holy Spirit brings an internal light. And this is the amazing thing. Your soil out there is fertile. Not because you threw manure on it. But because of all the bacteria and fungi in the soil. And the soil is... And it's the same way in your stomach. In your stomach is the soil of your life. In your intestines is the soil of your life. But your the intestines is full of bacteria, full of creatures. Most of the cells in your body aren't you. They're the things that dwell in you. And the Holy Spirit that dwells in you will regulate the bacteria that dwells in you. It will show you the way to good health. It will... Uh, it will elongate your life and the life of your children and the life of your family and the life of your community. And you're going to need that Holy Spirit in the days to come. But a good pastor will lead you to the places where you need to grace. He, he isn't going to eat for you. He isn't going to have your lambs for you. He isn't going to regulate your life. He's going to provide the optimum amount of environmental protection and guidance so that you're as healthy as you possibly can be. He can move you over to certain areas, like with sheep. I'm using this as a metaphor. He guides the sheep over to certain areas where they'll eat certain brush. And in other areas, like there'll be grass like horsetail. And he might take you over in that area so the sheep eat the horsetail more. Or maybe over to the fescues or up into the desert where there are other fiddle grasses and, and grasses. And when, when the larkspur comes, he will guide you away from the larkspur. Because the larkspur is poisonous. Or the death camas. All the death camas isn't the big problem with sheep. <laughs> but, uh, say so he knows where the poison is at. He knows where the quicksand is at. He knows where the coyotes are at and the bobcats and the mountain lions. And occasionally he can go there and, you know, get rid of the bobcats for you and the mountain lions and the coyotes and the wolves because we've even had wolves come after our sheep. And uh, there's the good shepherd knows how to do those things. But he's going to rule over you. He's going to control you. He's going to make decisions for you. But he also is not going to let you get away with making decisions for others. Like Korah. We had a sheep named Korah. We've talked about that. But let's talk more about these pastors. Because we're halfway through the program. We're not halfway through the page. This word raw includes that letter resh. Which is often related to the idea of rulers. Like sar. Which is shin resh. But then there is Shin Resh Resh, where every one of us are rulers over ourselves, but every one of us are not rulers over others. We might be rulers over our children, but we want to teach our children how to be free souls under God as well. So there's a limit to how much ruling we should have over our children as they grow up. We give them more and more opportunity of choices. As a grown-up with your own family... Your pastor is giving you all the choices you may make. But he has choices too on how he will serve you. And his choices on how to serve you are to help you get stronger. To strengthen 
those who are poor in spirit, who are poor in that Holy Spirit, who aren't as much the we of righteousness that they need to be. Again, the, the just will live by faith. The, another way of translating that would be the righteous shall live by faith. If you're not living by faith, you're not the righteous. So you can go read the Old Testament all you want and think you've got the Old Testament all figured out. But if you're still going to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other, like the governments of the nations, like the government of the United States and the government of Australia and the government of China and the government of Germany and the government of Great Britain, If you go to them for your daily bread, your welfare, your Medicare, your Medicaid, your Social Security, your welfare. That welfare is a snare. Paul tells you that. David tells you that. Paul quoted David. Old Testament. But as I was showing you, Habakkuk tells us that. Nahum tells us that. Amos tells us that. Because when you go to the men who exercise authority, you go to the bloody woman of the city the bloody city and you know who your pastors become then it becomes the revenue officers of the bloody city and those pastors are brutish (laughs) those are the brutish pastors so we got that far we got that car (laughs) so this term uh translated ruler in uh in some translations but within the context of the bible it is not describing men as rulers. The Ra is not describing men as rulers. They have authority again, but they only have authority over what is freely given them. You see, if they are the stones of the altar in the Old Testament, gathering of men or friends is the gathering of stones. Same words in the Hebrew. And they're unregulated men. We don't hew them. We don't... We don't make all kinds of rules for them. We don't have handwritten ordinances regulating them. But the Israelites gathered together in groups of ten, which they call a synagogue. That's a group of ten families. And they sacrifice to the minister that they pick for themselves. They pick a minister. You know, one of the Levites which is another old story we won't get into right now, but they pick one and they give their gifts to God, to Him. He takes those gifts and rightly divides them amongst that immediate congregation, but He's also in congregation with nine other ministers like Himself. They've freely assembled. They've figured this out. They've sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded, like Moses commanded, like actually Joshua commanded, like Abraham was actually doing. If you read all the texts that are available about Abraham, you know that this tens, hundreds, and thousands existed before Nimrod. Nimrod gathered his ministers in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as well. But it was top down. You know, he would pick a minister and that minister would appoint the ministers under him. Ten ministers under him. And they would regulate ten ministers under them. But in the kingdom of God, it's bottom up. You have to, because it's a free assembly. That's why they talk about free assemblies. That's why I say member doesn't really fit. I mean, you can use the word, but you have to be careful how you use the word. Because 
you're not bound as a member in a congregation of God by anything but love. You're not bound by contracts, covenants, or constitutions. You're bound by love. And if it's the love of Christ, you will be glad to sacrifice your blood, your sweat, your toil, the fruit of your labor to take care of the needs of the most deserving people in your congregation and in the congregation of congregations. He who saves his life loses it. He who sacrifices his life for the sake of the love of Christ and the love of God the Father, he will get life more abundant. This is how the Holy Spirit is brought in, by the way, if you didn't catch up with that already. (laughs) So, your pastors are not wanting you to sacrifice so he can buy a boat. Your pastors want you to sacrifice so that the Holy Spirit will enter into you and you will become stronger as a free soul under God. Because you're repentant and and taking on the character of God. You're willing to let go so that God will give you more. But you have to freely let go and it's not like a deal, like make, let's make a deal with God. And it's the antithesis of what people have been doing in America and Australia and Great Britain and Germany. Is They've been going to men who exercise authority and force the contributions of your neighbor so that you can have free stuff. Something we covered in great detail this morning. Gave you all kinds of examples. I mean, you want somebody to take care of your parents, so you send them to the temple. The temple's called the Social Security Administration in the United States. You have a Social Security card to show that you're a member of the temple, which is public religion. And you're going to get your bread, your daily bread, from men who exercise authority and force your neighbor to contribute. Because your neighbor signed up too. You were okay with taking the right of your neighbor away from him to choose whether or not... He was going to support your public school, whether he was going to support your social security, whether he was going to support your army, your police, all that stuff. You were willing to take his choice away and force him in a relationship where he would be forced to contribute to what you thought we ought to have. Democrats get in, they they borrow money to get what they think you ought to have and Republicans get in and they force everybody to pay into what they think you ought to have. And nobody's seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because in the kingdom of God, you sit down in a free assembly and you've got an idea. Let's build a basketball court for the kids. And the other nine members say, nah, we got more important things to do. Oh, no, come on, let's do it. Or let the example I gave, let's grow green grass on our grandfather's grave. And they put it on the tax rolls to make everybody do it. And they thought they were Christians. No, Christians wouldn't do that. Christians wouldn't even entertain that idea. That, But they sit in darkness, so they don't even know. You know, the command that Jesus gave to his apostles were feed my sheep. And everybody says, oh, that's just spiritual bread. (laughs) Before Jesus was able to provide physical bread and, you know, loaves and fishes in Mark 6, 39, 
he commanded that his disciples make the people sit down in groups of ten. And when he says the people, he's talking about the heads of households. Even even the baptisms at Pentecost, 2,000 one day, 3,000 the next, or whatever it was. It was only the heads of households that were getting baptized. They weren't baptizing all the women, you know. And uh, the kids, there was 3,000 families. Yeah, and even the, the guard who was there and was surprised that the apostles hadn't run out when there was that earthquake and everything. He was going to kill himself. Most people don't understand why that. If his, uh, if his prisoners escaped, it would be assumed that he took a bribe. And his family would forfeit everything. And he might even forfeit his life. Depending on if the people were in because of capital crimes. You just don't get away with letting them escape. That was just the law at the time. But if he killed himself, his family would be in the clear. Because they would say, well, he was overpowered and they killed him. They can't hold him responsible for that. But if they just escaped, they figured that he he didn't stop them. That he took a bribe and let them go. A lot of corruption by this time. Because they had been doing what you guys been doing for not quite as long as you've been doing it. <laughs> but they had been doing it long enough that there was a lot of corruption around and so he was going to kill himself. And they said, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We're still here. We haven't left. And he was just shocked. You guys could have got away and you, you're staying. Oh, yeah. And they started explaining the kingdom to him. And he said, what what must I do to be saved? And he, they told him, you be baptized. Of course, now they're already explaining. We don't hear the whole conversation. They're already explaining the kingdom of God to him. And he probably already had a kind of an idea because it was the big topic of the day. And he said, what must I do is get baptized and you and your whole family would be saved. didn't say your whole family had to be baptized, just him. Because what was baptism? you you got to remember the baptism was going on in the Old Testament. It was going on in the laver at the, the time of Pompeii and at the time of John the Baptist. Before John the Baptist went to the desert, people were getting baptized at the laver at the temple. Just to enter the temple they got baptized. But John the Baptist moved the laver out to the Jordan River because the system in the temple had become corrupted. It had become a social welfare system based on forced contributions under Herod and the Pharisees. That's why the Corbin of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect. The sacrifice, that's what Corbin means, of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect because they were forcing the contributions of the people who signed up. For social welfare through the state government run temple. It had become like the social security system. Which is not only social security. Social security is where you waive the right to a portion of your labor. Which it tells you that if you read the act. Which nobody does. That's how come you owe income tax. Because you have a social security number. And they can increase it. And increase it. And they don't have to give you any benefits. That's what it says in the rules. And there is no trust fund. And if there was a trust fund, it's been bankrupt since before it began. I mean, it's been operating in the red before 
Social Security even came along. The reason Social Security came along is they were already in the red, which is why they had a depression. We explain all this in some of those articles. You can go read them. So, But the point is, is that the British pastors are the pastors who force the contributions of the people. Like the Gabi and Molokai uh, ministers of the temple, where you signed up, and then your table became a snare. And they forced the contributions. Those are the British pastors. Now, the the pastors who are wolves in sheep's clothing <laughs> are the ones who send you to the government if you need to be fed. Uh, you know, if you need any food or medical care, or anything, they will send you to the governments of the world. But they will pretend to be the pastors, the ministers, the rabbis of the kingdom of God, of the church established by Christ. Because they're not going to feed you. They're not going to take care of your need. Oh, they'll have a little token charity, you know, just to keep up appearances. But they'll send you to the brutish pastors. So a minister or a pastor, like I said, were also elders of their own families. And we knew that they were probably a good bet to be in charge of our contributions because we see how well they ruled their own family. And so we supported them and they supported the needy of society because that's the only way to have a free society is that it's supported by free will offerings. Well, well I saw a mem today, uh, can't think of, is it, uh, can't remember the name of the actor, but he says that if you need to have a passport to go where you want to go, you're not free. <laughs> you know, something along those lines. And uh, the reality is, is that if you have to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, then your neighbor has the right to force you to contribute to his welfare, and neither one of you are free. You cannot create a free nation with legal charity, and legal charity is charity that can be forced upon you. You can be forced to contribute by the British pastors of your public religion by the IRS or whoever. Now, that's the way you've gone. Now, I've just informed you that you've all gone back into the bondage of Egypt. It's worse with you than the bondage of Egypt. In the bondage of Egypt, they could only take 20% of your labor. Theoretically, they actually finagled it through crafts of state where it became more and more. And that's an interesting story in itself. But the reality is that you have... You owe you owe fourteen percent right off the top because of Social Security. Then you owe income tax, and then there's property tax, and then there's sales tax in most states, and on and on and on. And even if you don't pay sales tax, everything you buy, you know, it uh, it comes to you from companies that are paying all these taxes too. So the price of you know a, a modius of wheat, a sack of wheat is as high as it is because the wheat farmer is paying property tax, the wheat trucker is paying gasoline tax, road tax, sales tax, and everybody's paying taxes and, and the truck driver himself is paying his Social Security tax, his income tax. And so all the prices are going up. They're, they're 10 times, 100 times of what they would be if you lived in a free country. And if you lived in a free country, 
you would have a different caliber of people because we know that when you become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others through these systems of socialism with this appetite for benefits from rulers who exercise authority, which Christ said you were not to be that way, which Proverbs tells you you were not to be that way, uh, and in numerous places, the one purse section, uh, Proverbs 1, Proverbs 10, just over and over again. You, you, are, you do not bless your neighbor with peace. You curse your neighbor with your own greed and wantonness and avarice for benefits at the expense of your neighbor. So the kingdom of God has pastors in it. Shepherds, if you want to call them that. Ministers, if you want to call them. But they're servants. They only have in their power to give away that which you have freely given to them. Now, what can they keep to support themselves? Well, they could keep all kinds of things to support themselves. Peter, uh, Paul talks about this. I know that some of the people in the show immediately before this, they kind of got it in for Paul, but they don't really understand what Paul was talking about. And, of course, Peter told you that he was going to talk about things that are hard to understand. And the problem isn't Paul. The problem is the interpretation of the modern churches. And even the interpretation of those people who look at the Torah. Because it's it's really very simple. If you're not taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, you're not the righteous. And the righteous live by faith. They're going to take care of one another through faith, through charity, through hope. If you're not doing that, you're neither following the Old Testament, which depended upon free will offerings, or the New Testament, which depended upon charity. Because you don't find the word charity in the Old Testament, you find the word free will offerings. Corbin was supposed to be a free will offering. In the New Testament, Corbin, at least for the Pharisees, had become a forced offering if you signed up. The apostles, I, I read just again the other day, somebody was talking about on that site where there were thousands of people and somebody said that, well, the apostles were ignorant. They couldn't read or write. Nonsense. Absolute utter nonsense. All because of a single mistranslation. By who? I don't know. But they weren't uh, ignorant. Idiotis is the word they use there. and we That's where we get the word idiot. But they weren't idiots. They weren't, uh, they weren't incapable of writing and spelling. Peter was wealthy. And he owned ships that you know, a dozen men could get on and go out sailing. That's huge. Most fishermen didn't fish that way. They fished with nets on the side of the lake. They might go out in a small boat, one or two guys, but he had big boats. That's a guy of means. Now, he was educated, but he was idiotis. But idiotis means unregistered. He was not of the world of the Pharisees. He was not of the world of Rome. He was not registered. He was unregistered. Because he didn't get any of his benefits from them. He still owed some taxes, but he didn't maybe owe all the taxes everybody else did because he paid his taxes to the king of Judea. That's why they could end up working daily in the temple. It's because there was a group. The Essenes were already doing this before Christ even came along. Probably a great deal to do with John the Baptist, who was probably a Nazarene Essene. Since there was no Nazareth at that time, Jesus was also probably a Nazarene Essene. So, anyway, the point is, is that 
you're either seeking a government that operates by faith, hope, and charity, or you're satisfied with a government that operates by force, fear, and fealty. If you're satisfied or, or seeking the benefits of a government that operates by force, fear, and fealty, you're not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you're not a Christian, and you're not a Israelite. And you are probably, if you are dependent upon those systems of the world that exercise authority, you are dependent upon the synagogue of Satan and the brutish pastors of Satan. You, you get my drift here? You following along? Shepherds or pastors as a general descriptive term consisted of those who were chosen by the people in this network of tens, hundreds, and thousands to help provide for the needs of society, widows and orphans and needy for any cause of society, through charity alone, which is love. Anything other than that is not love. This would include everyone who was a part of the working network of charity from the apostles, bishops, and deacons of early Christianity. Your pastors today, they're either ear ticklers or the brutish pastors who force the contributions of the people. And so the guys who aren't telling you this, those are the brutish pastors. And we even have a quote here from Justin the Martyr, who's, you know, like 150 A.D. And he says, and he's, he's, he's describing to Marcus, well, Marcus Aurelius' mentor, he's actually writing to Antonius Pius, who's the emperor before that. You all know this if you're students of the Bible, right? <laughs> he says, and the wealthy among us help the needy and willing give what each thinks fit. And what is collected is deposited with the president. And now this is a translation. That's probably Principas, which would be the pastor, the Principas. It's deposited with him to succor the orphans and widows and those who through sickness or any other cause are in want. And those who are in bonds, uh, you know, maybe help prisoners somewhere and they can't support their family. And so you have to help their family out. We've done that with somebody who went to jail temporarily and we helped his family out. And the strangers sojourning amongst us and in a word take care of all who are in need. That's the church. That's what it's supposed to be doing. But your churches don't do that. Your churches send them to the British pastors to eat at those tables. A table that early Christians were persecuted because they would not go eat at. So that's why we have, you know, an article on the conflict of Christianity with Rome. And I just recently added to the page on birth registration. That birth registration at the time of Antonius Pius, it was still voluntary at the time of Antonius Pius. But his successor, Marcus Aurelius, made it mandatory. Within 30 days, you had to register the birth of your child. And this ended up in a great surge in persecution against Christians. Marcus Aurelius had one of the worst human rights records for persecuting Christians because Christians would not register their children because the only reason you're registering your children was to get benefits. And they would they didn't want the benefits. They would not eat at that table. Modern Christians, it's fine. But modern Christians aren't real Christians. 
Now, that's a lot of people will take that. Oh, that means I'm not saved. No, it means you can still be saved. But you have to see the truth of the fact that you're not taking care of one another through charity. You're taking care of one another through force. And your priests are the brutish pastors of the world. And the kingdom you have been seeking and your parents have been seeking has been the wrong way. And you need to turn around your thinking and turn around your feet and start going the other way. And so we show you how to do that. But you have to choose to do it. We're not the government of force. We're the government of free will choice. The priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal. And walked after things that do not profit. That's where you've been. That's not where you need to go. But anyway, we're going to have to come to an end because we're at the end of the show. But anyway, until then, come join us on the network. Go to Preparing You. Join us on the network. And we'll explain those things that you baby did not get. Uh, until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.